Blog Talk Radio. Hey, 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 and happy Valentine's Day. You are listening to Hashtag Just Saying on the Green Party Radio Network. I am Mandy Kinney, and tonight's show is going to be nice and controversial. Um, I wanted to do a show about Russia and to see if Russia was all as, like, as bad as we see in the media. So you're listening to, is Russia really that bad? So... We see in the media that Russia is this evil country. They're awful. They do horrible things to anyone who crosses them. They're mean. They're bullies. They have nuclear weapons. They have no respect for anyone else. They're, you know, they're this huge country with all kinds of power, and they do whatever they want, you know, and and they they – don't ask any permission for things. They don't ask. They don't apologize. They just do what they want, right? That's what we always see in the media. And everyone seems to think that Russia is such an awful country. And, I mean, I'm not – I don't know one way or the other. I, I say this every show, but I am. I don't have a political background at all. I have been an athlete my whole life, and until last year, I ignored all things like history, geography, um, politics, all of that. So I was alive when we were going through the Cold War, but I was a kid, so I don't remember much of it. Mom, I apologize if you're listening because my mom is super offended that I'm even doing the show because it just bothers her because she's like, yes, Russia is evil. Russia is evil. So my thing is I'm not defending Russia. I'm not uh, not badgering them either. I'm not saying anything bad about them or good. I, I, I don't. Russia doesn't impact my life right now. They may someday, but they don't right now. I'm just curious to find the truth. And that is why I started doing the research that I do. So in preparation for this show, I've actually been researching for months now. And I'm just now to a point where I feel like I'm comfortable enough discussing it on air um, because I'm educated enough. Because, like I said, I've ignored everything for the past, like, 29, 30 years Um So I'm making up for like 30 years worth of ignorance. So I posted online on Facebook and I said, you know, I have an honest question. I want to know, like, what is so bad about Russia? What are your complaints about Russia? And believe it or not, most of the people who responded, actually all of them who responded, basically had had not such bad things to say about about Russia. Um, So I wanted to know, why? Like everyone just says, well, they're bad. They're bad. Why? What have they done? What specifically have they done? Right? So I started researching and I've watched documentaries. I have read government documents. I have, I mean, I have delved into this deeply so that I could understand what really is going on in the world and if they are really as evil as the American media leads you to believe. Okay. So that's that's preface for all of this. So I when looking at the Cold War, it I, I found very little that said that Russia was completely at fault. I mean, 
yes, they they hid things, they did wrong, you know, but and they lied, but you know that okay, let's blame them completely for the Cold War. Let's just say it's all their fault. That was thirty years ago. So I mean, Japan wronged us thirty years, forty, fifty years ago. I mean, multiple, many countries have done things wrong to us, and we've forgiven them. So, in my opinion, like the whole issue with the Cold War, that's that thirty years ago is not reason enough to to still harbor that ill will against them. Um, but but Russia appears to be a really interesting com- country. It's just it's very. I mean, there's, there's multifaceted. There's so much going on there. Winston Churchill once actually called it a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. <laughs> And I think that's pretty accurate um, because it's just, it's a fascinating country to me and their politics are just something else. Um, but it, it's interesting. I kind of narrowed it down to, and, and honestly, the people on Facebook did not, and I have some of their quotes and I'll go through later, but they really didn't say bad things about Russia. So I actually had to go, you know, find online like complaints about Russia because I also asked a lot of people close to me and most people did not have specific things. It was more like opinion. And I mean, everyone is entitled to their own opinion, but I want to form my opinion based on fact, right? So, and I've ignored the facts for the past 30 years. So I'm trying to catch up. So I narrowed it down to like the top 10 things that I, that looked like recurring things that were, you know, a common complaint in different articles that I read. Okay. So number one, Russia is siding with Syria, like with Assad and he's evil and he kills citizens and uh, they're siding with with Syria. Okay. Well, I did a show on Syria um, a, a few months ago. So if you don't know much about the conflict in Syria, please listen to that show. Go to www.mandykinney.com um, because the, the the war in Russia, I mean, in Syria is not as simple as you think. But, okay, let's give them that. Russia is siding with the wrong people. They're siding with Assad. Assad is definitely a bad dude. Like, Assad has done some bad things to people, okay, to his own citizens. So, I mean, the fact that Russia is siding with them, we can say it's a bad thing, right? That's what the media says. Okay, they have the KGB. So the KGB does all kinds of spy work across the world. They tap people's phones. I mean, they do all kinds of things. Um, and they're super scary. And apparently the, the leader of, um, of Russia, Vladimir Putin, used to be in the KGB. So that's a little bit disturbing, right? Um, and then the annexation of Crimea. So... Interestingly, I watched all kinds of things about this, too, and read all about it. And from what I read in the Western media, they said basically Russia um, – okay, so Crimea is like a little peninsula that's part of the Ukraine. Ukraine is a separate country from Russia, but they're right next door to Russia. So Crimea was like a, a, a separate part of them. And Crimea actually has their own, like, government and their own councils and everything. So they're almost kind of like the Native Americans are within our country. Like, they, they have their own government laws, but they're still part of the United States. So that's how Crimea was. But they were actually on a different, like, a peninsula, a different piece of land. And that piece of land is it's connected to the Ukraine, but it's really not all that far from Russia as well. 
piece of land has gone back and forth between Russia and Ukraine, USSR, over over history. But most of the people who inhabit that land are of Russian descent, okay? So the story goes from all the Western media, and I say Western because, that, you know, Western versus Eastern, like versus the, the RT, which is the um, Russian truth or whatever, or the real truth and Russian-sponsored. Um, so everything I saw, basically, it said that the, the Russian troops came into Crimea and basically, like, got went on the border between Crimea, uh, uh, of like where Crimea kind of meets into the mainland of Ukraine and they put all kinds of military forces there and that they just annexed the whole land. Like they just took it over. So um, that's the long and short about that, but I'm going to get into it more in detail in a little while. Um, also how they treat Ukraine is number four on the list. Um, like they, they're bullies to you, the Ukraine. Then there was the, they have a gay propaganda law that is super mean, super awful, there's an, a lot of anti-gay violence there. The government is corrupt. Targeting journalists is a big thing. Um, journalists just don't have much freedom there. They're, they don't have freedom of expression and all that. Um, abusing migrants. And then number 10 was rigging the presidential election. So just let's go through all of those one by one. So like I said, with, with Russia siding with Syria, Russia, you know, the media, our Western media leads you to believe they are on the wrong side of things. And I did, like I said, I did a whole show on this. So you really need to listen to that show to understand my argument fully. But while Assad is an awful, awful person, he is not as bad as terrorists. Statistically speaking, literally everything, look into it, research it. He is not as bad as the terrorists who are trying to take over the country, who are just shooting, plowing people down, shooting people in the open streets. There, I mean, it is, it is crazy what our media tells us versus what seems to really be going on. Because again, I have gone to all the different media sources throughout the world, like from every different angle possible to really try to understand what's going on. And from people who have been in Syria, the actual people on the ground who were there, those people say that Assad is the, – the, the government regime is trying to help the citizens. So I have to actually think that actually Russia is on the right side of this one, which is scary to say because Russia is so bad and they're so evil. They're, so, they're such bullies, but they're on the right side of it apparently. Okay. So the KGB, like I said, that's number two that, that people complain about or people, you know, have say is horrible. The KGB has done all kinds of bad things. They're a spy agency, so they lie. They sneak into other countries. They tap people's phones. I'm sure they kill lots of people, poison lots of people, all of that. So they've done all kinds of bad things. But you can just think of, of the, the KGB as the Russian version of the CIA because we have – an agency in America that is probably as bad as the KGB. The difference is that people know what the KGB has done. And, and in America, our media, is the propaganda leads you to believe that on the most part that the CIA is their spies, but they're really doing good work. No, in reality, they are torturing people. In reality, they, they, they kill people. They poison people. That's their job. 
sometimes you got to do that kind of thing. I'm not, I'm not advocating it, but sometimes you got to go to extreme lengths in order to get your way. So they do all kinds of things like that, but again, we'll get to that in a little while too. So, but the, and the CIA does good work too, I'm sure. Just like the KGB probably gets good intel for Russia. Now, is the CIA as bad as the KGB? I don't know, but it sure seems like there's a lot of comparison, a lot of parallels there. Um, okay, and so the anorexic, uh, the anorexic, the annexation of Crimea. So the Western media tells us that the peninsula of Crimea is the center of what is being seen as the biggest crisis between Russia and the West since the Cold War. Russia, they're saying that Russia stole Crimea from Ukraine and that Russian troops occupied the border between the two. And I keep hearing the phrase, Western media arguments are for geopolitical reasons in documentaries. Like basically in some of the opposing side is that saying that Western media, the, the, the reason they're telling us all this is for geopolitical reasons. So is it, is it not? Are they telling us the truth? Are they not? I don't know. So I kept looking into it. So one Western article I found, it said, still, according to a statement by the Kremlin, Putin told U.S. President Barack Obama that Russia approved military action in Ukraine because it, quote, reserves the right to defend its interests and Russian-speaking people who live there. Russian troops wearing no signs of the country on their uniforms have surrounded Ukrainian bases in Crimea and have imprisoned the soldiers there. Again, what the Western media is telling us. Um, and I'll go get on to what I believe is the truth. Um, I'm going to go ahead. Uh, I'm going to skip that and just say everything that I found bad about Russia first. So the Ukraine, Putin obtained parliamentary approval for troops to, uh, for troop deployments, not just to Crimea, which is not its own country, but it's its own like little peninsula, Crimea, but also to Ukraine. And Moscow, which is the capital of Russia, it regards the new authorities in Kiev, which is the capital of uh, the Ukraine, they think it's fascist, and they think that they could send troops to protect the ethnic Russians in eastern Ukraine, because Vladimir Putin feels like anyone who speaks Russian, basically, that he needs to defend them. And the eastern part of, of the Ukraine is primarily Russian descendants and Russian-speaking people, the western part is primarily like almost like their version of skinhead purists like 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 they they won't even allow people to speak russian they hate russia they're mortal enemies they are siding more they're trying to go more like um supposedly trying to go more the western way of democracy so and ukraine's just very divided um but the eastern part is more like Russia, and Russia has a lot invested in Ukraine. When pro-Russia Prime Minister Viktor, I'm going to butcher this word, Yanukovych, became president in 2010, Russia found themselves even more, Russia found themselves divided. Um, and then Ukraine's government has called Russia's invasion of Crimea a declaration of war. So basically, they're saying that, like, like the Western media is telling us, that when Russia to, went over into Crimea and when they took over because they just took it from them that they were, you know, Crimea is this innocent victims and, and the Russian government just came and bullied their way and took it from the Ukraine and from the Crimean people. Okay. Um, 
so Ukraine is saying this is a declaration of war. Like you have just started a war between us. And the unfortunate part about that is that Ukraine does not have full member status in NATO. So the U.S. and Europe are, they're not obligated to come to its defense because I guess there's, you know, different laws in, in, in the, within NATO that basically if any of the fully full members are attacked, then we can come to their defense or we're, we're obligated to, but we're not obligated to because the Ukraine is not a full member of NATO. And since Russia actually has veto power as a member of the UN Security Council, it's unlikely that any military action in the area will be approved. So the UN's not going to like say, yeah, sure, go to war, kill each other. Um, and then the gay propaganda law, Russia's brutal targeting of its lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender, and I think there's a Q in there too. I, I don't know what it stands for, so I'm not going to say it because I think that's a derogatory word, but I don't know. Anyway, in transgender population, it's gotten the attention of a ton of press and activists around the world, um, and especially when the Olympics were, were about to be there in Sochi. So there was a bill that they passed that, that banned propaganda about, quote, non-traditional sexual relations around children. So the law also applied to foreigners, I mean, which laws do. So if non-Russians were seen as spreading pro-gay messages, and this is during the Olympics where the whole world is coming together, they could be fined and detained for up to 14 days and then expelled from the country. So they could have been, like, deported because they said they were, like, carried a rainbow flag. Like, that's, that's pretty messed up, let's be honest. Like, that's, that's not hurting anybody. Carrying a rainbow flag is not hurting anyone. That's, that's a messed up law, if you ask me. But they have their own reasons to do whatever. It's their country. But still, that's not okay. To, I mean, just to be to find people and, and for for freedom of speech, basically. But then again, America has a freedom of speech, not Russia. So then there's also a bunch of anti-gay violence. The anti-gay laws that I just mentioned, the gay propaganda law, they've contributed to like making an environment in Russia where people see being gay as a crime. So many like anti-government protests end in arrest and violence. And the LGBTQ activists say that the bills are encouraging violence against gays. So basically, you know, they have these laws and they're encouraging people to go hurt gay people or to, to frown upon them. Um, the government is also corrupt. Corruption, including bribes, vote, voter rigging, and abuses of power. It's a major problem in Russia. It's ranked on the corruption index published by Transparency International, is 127 out of 175 countries ranked. So, like, I'm guessing, you know, 100 or 1 would be, like, let's see, its rank on that is 127 out of 175 countries ranked. So it's pretty high, pretty high up there. It's, it's, it's definitely very, very correct. And then also the targeting of journalists. Russia is a dangerous place. It, um, since Vladimir Putin assumed power in 2000, lots of journalists have lost their lives on the job because there's not really the freedom of press there. Many of these people were, were slain by contract killers, and the government has done a poor job at catching the killers um, because it's not outright that, they're, that they, the press doesn't have freedom. I guess they kind of say that they do, but they don't. And then, so since 1992, at least 56 journalists have been killed. 
so of like questionable circumstances. Um, they also abused migrants. Many of the migrant workers from Central Asia that were going there to Sochi for the Olympics, they like a lot of them fully did their job and then they didn't get paid. Like the authorities in Moscow were like, eh, we're not paying you. Um, so then, in addition to that, with migrants, the in 2013, the authorities in Moscow, which is, like I said, Russian's capital, they started detaining people who looked non-Slavic. Sounds pretty Nazi-ish to me. And then there's the rigging of the presidential election, of our, our presidential election as well. So government entities and the media, they claim that the election was rigged, like our election, but they haven't provided any proof. Um, I watched an interview with a British ambassador who got the information from someone in Washington, supposedly, and he said it was not Russia. And then another YouTube video had audio of Assange saying it wasn't Russia or any state government, and they discussed in the ambassador's interview where he said he obtained the information from someone in the DNC. Also note that Seth Rich died under questionable circumstances, and he was assumed to be the informant, and Assange, who is associated with uh, WikiLeaks, basically came on air and, in so many words, said Seth Rich was the, the leak, so, and that's why he was killed, so let's go find his killers. Um, and surprisingly not, the government has not found his killers at all. If you don't know much about Seth Rich, look it up. It's really, really crazy. Um, he was supposedly mugged in like a, a decent part of town but and, and robbed, but they didn't steal anything. And he was like shot, and the cop, when the cops got there, he was still alive, but they didn't even like try to, they didn't try to help him. They just like roped off the crime scene. Anyway, it's all kinds of messed up. Um, okay. So that was the, so the rigging of the election was kind of the last of the top ten. So let's come back. I wanted to know more about the whole thing with Crimea because that seems to be like a hot topic with a lot of people. And they say, um, you know, the Crimea was really, uh, like the, like I said, the, the, the media leads you to believe and, and really makes you think that the Crimea people did not want Russia there, that Crimea was like an innocent entity of their own and that they were just hanging out, and then Russia came over, okay? Based on everything I saw, that doesn't seem to be true, and I'm going to tell you why. So it's important to note, like I said, the vast majority of the people in Crimea, they are of Russian descent, and they actually wanted to return to Russia, as most of the people, I mean, most of the people are of Russian descent. They consider themselves Russian. The people who live in Crimea do not consider themselves, on the large part, for the most part, because 54% of the people who live there are of Russian descent. So the people who live there consider themselves Russian, not Ukrainian. But there's been politics back and forth, and, and you know, the land has, has passed ownership one way or the other. So... It was actually a part of Russia for hundreds of, hundreds of years. So Kiev, which, like I said, that's the capital of the Ukraine. Kiev was attacked by a violent coup who overthrew the government. Then they moved to Crimea to create trouble there. So this is like the backstory of, of it all, okay? So what really happened was that there's basically like 
terrorists, if you will, um, trying to overthrow the government in the Ukraine. And they, uh, they attacked people in, in Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. They overthrew the government there. And then those same people went to Crimea and wanted to create trouble there. They came fully armed in, like, military suits, everything. And so, you know, the, the, the Crimean people were in danger. Now, it's important to note some Ukrainians absolutely hate Russia, mostly, like I said, the Western part, because they're very divided. So to these people, it's such a deep hatred for Russian culture and people that they will do anything to get to, to separate themselves from Russia, right? But Crimea is primarily comprised of descendants of Russia. So the people in the Western part of the Ukraine don't necessarily like the people in Crimea, they just, it's their land, so that's that. However, a group of eight busloads of Crimeans in Crimea, when, those guys, when the guys were going down there to create trouble, eight busloads of Crimeans, they made it about 350 people, were viciously attacked in 2014 in February by those hoodlums, by the people who came from Kiev down there to Crimea, 350 people were attacked, eight plus loads of people. The people who attacked them said they were taking over to form a democracy. So they were trying to turn over everything in the government, and they were going to form a democracy by hurting and killing people, because that makes sense. The Crimean people were scared and hopeless. The mentality of the militants was that they literally said these words, Crimea will be Ukrainian or peopleless. So they're going to either say that they're Ukrainian or we're just going to kill them all and we'll take the land. These are Ukrainians saying that. The Ukrainians who just overthrew the Ukrainian government. They just took over Kiev and they overthrew the government. And then they're coming to Crimea, killing people, shooting people, hurting people, taking over these buses and saying, look, you're either Ukrainian or you die. Okay, does that sound to you like some nice people. I'm just going to go with a no. The Ukrainians who, and, that, and it wasn't like everyday Ukrainians, so I'm not saying like Ukrainians are bad, but it was a certain group of like militants or, or you know, protesters, whatever, violent protesters who were armed, and they were taking over Crimea. So the Crimea people were victims at this point. So Sergei Aksinov, I'm sure I said that wrong. I heard it a bunch of times, and I still can't say it. But Sergei Aksyonov was the prime minister of Crimea, and he requested assistance from Vladimir Putin against the resistance. So they were calling it the resistance or, you know, the, the they don't say the thugs or whatever, but it was, it was a bunch of jerks. It was a bunch of thugs trying to take over. From, and, and it wasn't just Ukrainians. It was like the extremists in Ukraine, right? The, like it was the, the, the people who hate Russia. So the prime minister of Crimea asked for help from Vladimir Putin. Armed troops started taking over the airport, government buildings, and military facilities. Armed troops, right? The troops wore green uniforms that that resembled the Russian army. So, every, so the Western media was saying, oh, Russia has, has invaded, they've invaded, they've invaded. But Putin went on the record saying, these are not our troops. 
These are local self-defense militias, and they're not Russian troops. They weren't wearing Russian uniforms. They didn't have Russian identification. They weren't even, I mean, they weren't affiliated with Russia. They were local people who were honestly trying to basically protect their area. And I watched this whole long documentary of this guy who was dating a girl in Crimea at the time, and she would send him emails when she could. And it was, she was saying, you know, I, I, I feel like my life is in danger, blah, 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 blah. And then as soon as these, these guys started feel, forming their own kind of Crimean militia to protect themselves, she came out and said, you know, I feel safe now. They're protecting us, blah, blah, blah. So, but the Crimean people, specifically, not only the prime minister, but the Crimean people wanted Russia's assistance, and they wanted to join Russia. They, they felt like they were Russian still. They felt like they were, like, being deceived by, by being owned by the Ukraine because they felt like they were Russian. Now, this isn't everyone, but it was 54% of the people there who are of Russian descent, okay? So majority of them feel like they're Russians. So imagine, like, if some other country, you know, I'm from America, but some other country takes over the southeast part of America. Okay, you can take over all you want. You can call it Canada or you can call it, you know, Timbuktu if you want. You can call it what you want, but I'm still American. Regardless of what you call my country, I still have a, I'm, a, I'm an American. I'm of American descent. I speak English. These people spoke Russian. I have the American culture. They have the Russian culture. They, the vast majority of them, wanted to be part of Russia, and they wanted Russia's help. Not to mention the fact that, a little-known fact, but when the USSR broke up, basically there was this huge naval port or naval base in um, the southwestern part of Crimea, and it's some long name that started with an S. I can't say it. So... Basically, when the when USSR split up, they said, okay, half of the naval base will go to Ukraine, half the naval base will go to Russia. So this whole time, Russia has had like around 11,000 troops there at any given time because they have a naval base there. And they were actually in this agreement, they were allowed to have up to 20,000 soldiers in Crimea, but they usually had about 11,000 the time of the, the quote takeover like when the, the people from Kiev came down uh, and tried to take over Crimea there were 11,000 soldiers there now Putin did eventually admit that the Crimean local self-defense military like they formed their own military and everything but that it was accompanied by Russian troops that he did send, eventually send Russian troops to back them up but that they started their own military first. So imagine, if you will, like a whole bunch of people, you know, decide to order the same uniforms and look like they're all, you know, they're all militants, and they go to fight the bad guys. So they were taking over the airport and everything to prevent more people from coming in for them to, you know, to, to take over Crimea. They were taking over government buildings to protect them. That was their argument, right? And so Russian troops were trying to prevent the arms from getting in the wrong hands. That's why they blocked the border of Crimea. That's what they're saying anyway. Now, do we know that's true for sure? No, I don't, I don't know one way or the other, but I have to tell you, I watched countless number of documentaries and a lot, not all of them were, were from the Western perspective. I mean, from the Russian perspective, I watched 
a lot from the Western perspective, a lot from the Eastern perspective. I watched documentaries of people from America who went to Crimea to figure to understand what was going on, and they feared for their life when they went there. They thought that they were going to – they honestly thought they might be killed when they went there. And they were, like, roaming around on the streets freely, and people were walking around in, like, tank tops, no armed guards, no bombs, no nothing. Like, it, it's a free country basically there. Like, it's just like America. Like, this guy was shocked. He's thinking he's going to go get killed or, you know – be in danger. Obviously, he wouldn't go there if he thought he was going to be killed, but he thought he was going to be in danger and have to be really safe and careful, and, and he gets off the plane, and he's all freaking out because it's normal there. So the Russian troops, they they did end up going into Crimea because Crimea requested it, and because the, the majority of the Crimean people wanted them there, and they and then Russia says that the reason they had the, the people on the border of the Crimea, between Crimea and the mainland of Ukraine was because they didn't want arms getting in the wrong hands. Like they were protecting Crimea. So these armed men who took control of the airports, they came uh, to prevent specifically one of the airports. They came and they prevent, they wanted to prevent a Ukrainian paratrooper force from landing. So a, Interestingly, a plane was coming in from Turkey, and when they heard that the airport was taken over, it turned around and went back. So some people allege that the, the, that Turkey was sending, possibly sending more like militants in to, uh, or terrorists or whatever. So there's also this group of people in um, Crimea called the Tartars, Tartars. T-A-T-A-R-S, Tatars. So these people, at one time, they made up a, a fifth or about 10%, 10% to a fifth of the inhabitants of Crimea, but they were forced out by Stalin um, when he was in reign because of the belief that they collaborated with the Nazis in World War II. So Stalin felt like the Tatars, the, the, some of the native people there, um, were on the wrong side, so he got rid of them. So Slowly but surely, the Tatars have been returning since the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991, and this has been – it's causing tension between the Tatars and Russians over land rights because the Tatars are returning and going, hey, this is my land. And a Russian who lived there and built a house there is saying, no, it's my land. I built it, you know. So there, there's a lot of tension between, like, the people who have lived in Crimea for the past however long – and then the, the Tatars who are coming back because their people were forced out, but some of them are coming back, okay? But they absolutely, the Tatars hate Russia, and they're thought to be part of the armed radicals who try to take over Crimea. So the, the, the Crimea is, is of Russian descent. So that 54% of people, they did, they wanted, most of them wanted to go back to Russia. But the, the Tatars and the um, the guys who came from the Ukraine, from Kiev, they wanted to take over Crimea, basically. And, and made, they wanted everyone to stop speaking English, to do everything that um, the Ukraine people think, like basically get back to pure Ukrainians. Um, so if you want to call in, you can. The phone number is 215-383-5796. Again, 
383-5796. So I did kind of a comparison of Russia and America because, like I said, I'm not trying to defend Russia. I'm not trying to smear America. I'm American. I love my country. There were striking resemblances in things that people said that were so wrong about Russia that either America is doing something similar or has done something similar. So I took those top ten things. So Russia siding with Syria, that was the first thing. Well, in reality, again, please listen to that the show I did about Syria, but in reality, America is siding with the terrorists at this point in Syria. America is, is sending Saudi Arabia and Qatar money who in turn give it to terrorists who are, are bombing and killing innocent people. Is Assad and the, the government regime, are they innocent? No. Heck no, they're not. And is, is Russia in there and fighting with Assad, you know, with the government regime? They are. But Russia is going to, to defend a government, whereas, I mean, originally the people who were trying to overthrow the government did have good cause, and they really did want to overthrow the government. Unfortunately, terrorists have come in, and now al-Qaeda and the Taliban and ISIS and other terror groups have taken over, and they're, like, fighting. They're, they're all fighting in different ways. So innocent civilians are being killed as, as victims of, of war by all sides. The main difference is that the Syrian government, the Russian government, and the American government are all have all killed hundreds of innocent civilians, but none of them killed them on purpose, whereas the terrorists are killing civilians regularly on purpose just to be evil. So that's the important difference here. And so... In reality, the fact that Russia is siding with Syria is Assad's a bad guy. He's a bad dude. So if you want to put sanctions on him, or if you want to arrest him and put somebody else in his place, okay, do that. But 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 you have but a government has a right to defend its country, and that's what Assad's regime is doing. It's defending the country. The terrorists are the ones who are the bad guys, and we're funding them. So the next thing that everyone complains about, the KGB. Like I said, we have the CIA. There's all kinds of things that there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of theories and conspiracies uh, and allegations about what the CIA has done wrong. But we don't necessarily know for sure with proof, so, you know, that they've done all of the wrong that, that people allege. But we do know some of it. Like, a 1986 investigation by a subcommittee of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee found that, and I quote, the Contra drug links included, amongst other connections, payments to drug traffickers by the U.S. State Department of Funds authorized by the Congress for humanitarian assistance to the Contras in some cases after the traffickers had been indicted by federal law enforcement agencies on drug charges. In other cases, traffickers were under active investigation by these same agencies. So while, drug tra- while we know who the drug traffickers are, uh, the CIA was paying them to, to act for them. Okay? 
Um, and there, there's a lot more theories and conspiracies and things in, about that. But this is straight from a government website right there. So the, the KGB and the CIA, and the, the CIA is, is by no means innocent. I mean, they are doing some bad stuff. Probably not as bad as they used to, but they're doing some bad stuff. So KGB, CIA, mm, pretty, uh, you know, pretty, pretty similar there. Um, and like this historian, Alfred W. McCoy, he stated that in most cases, the CIA's role involved various forms of complicity, tolerance, or studied ignorance about the trade, but not any direct culpability in the actual trafficking. The CIA did not handle heroin, supposedly. Lots of other people think that they did. But it did provide its drug lords, allies, with transport, arms, and political protection. So whether they did or did not deal heroin, they did give them arms and money and protection. So the CIA's role in the Southeast Asian heroin trade involved indirect complicity rather than direct culpability at a minimum. That's what he said. So, and they have, they're, they're said, the CIA is said to have a front company called Air America that was alleged to have profited from transporting opium and heroin for the Hmong leader, Vang Pao. Um, there's also this whole thing. I watched like a huge documentary on it of Mena, Arkansas. It's a small town on the western side of Arkansas. And when the citizens there saw that, that, that there was an airplane remodeling or refurbishing company coming in and huge planes were coming to town, they thought it would be great and, and produce all kinds of jobs for the locals. But that didn't happen because they brought the, these companies brought their own people for the most part. So the Mina Intermountain Municipal Airport was said to be a CIA drop point in huge cocaine trafficking beginning in the early 1980s. And then allegations over you know, the past 30 years since then have been made that the CIA supplied the Contra Army with, in Nicaragua with, with arms in exchange for drugs, which is what we were just talking about. So many people have made connections to, to Oliver North and former President Bill Clinton with this because Bill Clinton was the governor at the time. And actually, you know, whether it's a conspiracy theory or not, whatever, but there's actually a movie being made right now about Mina, Arkansas, and all of this, and it's going to be released September 29th of this year. It's by director Ron Howard, who is a phenomenal director. So, you know, I would think that this at least is legitimate information or he's trying to, do, you know, do his due diligence and get it right. And the name of the movie is Mina. And it's going to focus on the notorious pilot and meddling cartel drug smuggler, Adler Barrowman Seal, or what they call him, Barry Seal. And Seal is played by Tom Cruise. Um, the film, it, it, it has been renamed, Amer- oh, sorry. It has been renamed American Made, and it's set for release in September 29th, 2017. So it's, it's to be released this year. It's going to be all about, like, Mina, Arkansas, and that guy. Because that guy was always in trouble for um, the, the Barry Seal, was always in trouble for associations, like, always under investigation in Louisiana for associations with um, drug traffickers. But they couldn't necessarily prove anything. And then all of a sudden, he starts showing up in Mina, Arkansas, all the time. Um, other things that 
there's lots and lots of articles out there. There's lots of allegations that the CIA has done. Again, I don't have any proof. I don't know what's right and wrong. But I do think that most conspiracy theories, there's at least some kind of truth somewhere in it. I don't. I mean, I think people are creative, but they're not that creative. So I think there's some kind of truth somewhere in it. But they did acid studies on individual people in the 60s and 70s. And then there's even a book written about how the CIA was targeting rock stars and trying to kill them, and it's called Drugs as Weapons Against Us. You know, again, I'm not saying it's true, but I'm not saying it's false either. Then Timothy Leary said that they specifically said, tune in, tune out, or drop out. So they, that was their theory, like, you, you tune in, you're, you're paying attention, and then we make you, like, we give you acid, you're out of it, and then, you, and then you die. And he eventually admitted that he was in the CIA. They also had a psychedelic hit list. And then they, the CIA thought they could control your mind and your body would follow. That was kind of their, their theory on all of that. And Brian Jones from the Rolling Stones in 1965, he said that the CIA sent people to spread their money in Britain and give it to different agencies as well as put psychedelics in musicians' hands um, so that they could manipulate them. And the London Daily Mail reported um, that an agent, some guy, Snyderman, specifically gave it to Mick Jagger for that purpose. So, you know, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but... The CIA is, is not an innocent entity by any means. So any arguments about the KGB, I mean, it just, it really sounds like the KGB is the Russian version of the American CIA. Does that make it okay? Absolutely not. The CIA is doing all kinds of bad things. Does that mean that America is, is just as bad as Russia? I don't know. That's not what I'm trying to find out. I was trying to find out the truth about what's really going on in Russia and Crimea and all that. So, like I said about the, annex, the annexation of Crimea, that's one of the things people say is bad about Russia. Um, but in reality, like I just I told you the whole story, that, that from what I can tell, the truth is that the Crimean people wanted Russia's help, and they wanted to go to Russia. Now, does that mean that Russia has the right to take Crimea from Ukraine? No, it doesn't. But... In the same way that they the we had the they had the annexation of Crimea, we had the annexation of Iraq, and we see how that turned out. We did such wonderful things for Iraq, right? Wrong, wrong. We screwed over Iraq. We we made it worse. We should never have gone in Iraq, but we we annexed them. We went in and we stayed there because we said that's our that's our job. That's our duty. That's our right. Um, another thing that the Russia that people say is bad, the way Russia treats Ukraine. Okay, well, in the same respect, the way U.S. treats Palestine. Look into the Israel and Palestinian, Palestinian conflict, which it's really none of the – most of the conflicts or wars or whatever that we go to, we're sticking our nose in other people's business. Like, we don't need to be over there. We don't need to fight other people's wars. Yes, if there's a bunch of terrorists taking over, we need to make sure the terrorists don't come here. We need to make sure that terrorism does not spread. But the Palestinian and Israeli 
conflict, like if you look at it since 1947, Israel has been violating their, like basically the, the borders that were set up and given to them. Yet we continue to side with Israel, and we have been giving them $10.4 million a day. Sorry, for the past few years, we've been only giving them $10.2 million a day. But former President Obama signed a 10-year deal to give them $10.4 million a day for the next 10 years. $10.4 million a day. $10.4 million a day to Israel to fight the Palestinians, basically. We spend more money in Israel than we do on our own people in America. So don't tell me we can't afford universal health care or better education system and all that. That's bull. Okay, so the next one, gay propaganda law. Going to be honest with you. We do not have anything that evil in America. We just don't. We, we don't have anything as bad as that. Anti-gay violence, mm, that can kind of be compared to the anti-black violence in America. So... No, there's not laws against it, but there's a whole lot of black people being being targeted by, you know, police officers, by racist, radical people, or, you know, whatever. So it's it's not as rampant anymore as, as the anti-gay violence is in Russia, but there's a comparison there. The corruption, I mean, heck, how can you, <laughs> nobody can argue that, the American government's not corrupt. I mean, the American government is corrupt to an extreme. Is it, <coughs> excuse me, is it as corrupt as Russia? Mm, probably not. Maybe. I don't know. We don't even know what all corruption exists. But we have the proof from the DNC, the, the leaked email from the DNC, that it's very corrupt. And that's not just the DNC. I mean, there's corruption left and right. We have legal bribery called lobbyists. Legal bribery. Like, that, that alone is an oxymoron, and it's, it's ridiculous that we allow that. And, and, I mean, that alone is corruption right out in your face. Okay, the next complaint, targeting journalists. So we don't kill journalists for the most part here. There are conspiracy theories about this and that and this and that, but in the same respect, those are conspiracy theories about targeting the journalists there because nobody has proven that it's the, the Russian government that has killed these journalists, just like no one can find – supposedly no one can find Seth Rich's killer. People are, are, are on both sides, people um, especially like around Hillary Clinton, all kinds of people – died of mysterious circumstances. So there's there's the the theory on both sides that people are getting killed when when they confront them. Plus, we get you know people will say that the Russian controlled media, Russia controlled media. I promise you our media is controlled by our government. They only tell us what the government tells them. They're not doing like investigative journalism anymore like they used to because um they'll either be called a wacko and they'll, they'll be called a conspiracy theorist or this and that, or they'll mysteriously lose their job or whatever. So there, there's no such thing as investigative journalism anymore, really, in America. And it's getting worse and worse. We have the propaganda and lies in our media just like they do there. I mean, I make the same comparison to, to North Korea. Is it the same extent? No, not that I know. 
But our media is controlled as well. So there's that. And then the abusing migrants. Well, Donald Trump doesn't pay his people after they do the job either, right? <laughs> but that's just one case. Um, but, I mean, in the same respect, we're, we're refusing refugees to come here. We're, the, the travel ban that is temporarily on a stay or whatever, um, you know, we, we, it's not like we are kind to immigrants. It is super, super, super hard just to get a visa to come to America. Like, you wouldn't think so because there's so many immigrants here, but it's actually ridiculously hard just to come to America to visit a lot of countries have a policy where they deny your visa the first time you apply for it, no matter what, period. Like the first time they're, you're denied, you have a waiting period, and then you can go apply for it again. You may or may not get it after a few months. You have to have good reason, you know, whatever, which that, quote, extreme vetting is necessary to make sure that we're not allowing terrorists in. But it also, I mean, the U.S. is one of the hardest countries in the world to get into, so we're, it's not like we're, like, super nice to immigrants. And then the arguments against Russia of rigging the presidential election, well, we can't prove that. And they might have. They might not have. Supposedly, Russia has, has rigged their own elections as well. It, it's not okay. But similarly, we have the NSA listening to everyone in the United as well as other places around the world if they want. Is that right? The, the NSA is, is recording this conversation right now. They literally are recording all of our phone conversations. They're recording things on the Internet. They record your GPS coordinates. They have all these sophisticated computer programs that are following you around. They record what you purchase at stores. They record where you are, when you're there, who else was there at the same time. And they make all these, like, webs of, of, of information about each person here. Is that so, interestingly, like I said, I asked people on Facebook to tell me. I'm like, honestly, I have an honest question. I want to know, what, why is Russia so bad? So, I'm going to read you some of the responses because I thought they were pretty interesting. And I, I said specifically, you know, if you can state a specific fact or, or what they do, please do. So, Kate Gowan said, the short answer as to why Russian is the enemy is 100 years of brainwashing and unrelenting propaganda. There are specifics in incident-by-incident details, but in the balance between who did what to whom, our planet continues to be fit to live on because of the caution and forbearance of the Russians who, unlike the U.S., have never used the nuclear option. Again, I asked people why Russian was so, Russia was so bad. And I don't know that what she said is, is incorrect. Valley Friel said, hi, great topic. Russia was our ally in World War II along with Churchill. Roosevelt had promised not to use nukes and to create a neutral border between Germany and Russia, but Roosevelt died and Truman went ahead even though Japan was on its last legs. Stalin actually was Time's Man of the Year. Also, Bush disregarded the efforts Gorbachev was, was making for peace. As for Putin reaching out to Europe's right wing, we got to start somewhere. There will be no peace without discourse. War does not work. Thanks. 
Another side note, so people complain that, or, or one of the arguments, one of the complaints about Russia is that Vladimir Putin was in, this, in the KGB. Meanwhile, we have had a president, George Bush, who was the director of the CIA at one time. So, I mean, it happens in different places. Similar situation, though, but nobody points that out. <laughs> okay. Sam G said the Russian government is as shady as the American government. The Russian people are divided over the politics, just like we are by our government policies. So I think he makes a good point. Janet Faber, Putin outlawed GMO foods. He does not feed his people poison. <laughs> Again, true story. I asked why Russia is so bad. And people are, these are American people coming back saying Russia's not that bad. Russia's not that bad. I mean, this, that's what they're saying. It, it's basically like Russia's bad and America is too. Or Russia's not that bad. So Marla Cooley said, and this is already written out according to their new world order plans. They are in it together, my thoughts. Gary Goodman, Russia is a large competitor, somewhat large enough to counter U.S. power. Stalin even wished to cooperate to an extent, seeing as post-war USSR was totally destroyed. Michael Hudson pointed out that free trade terms from the U.S. Congress would have kept the USSR economically weak versus trade agreements they had with satellites like we have with our neighbors. Also, the Russian government is nasty, but the U.S. supports lots lots of the nasty regimes, so that's hardly a reason. It's an excuse. Putin does not Putin does kill critics unofficially. So another conspiracy or a theory. And he said check check out hypernormalization for a view of the USSR from the inside and also how the US has been moving in that direction. Then he also said note Paul Wolfowitz's 1993 statement on how our enemies or frenemies in Europe after the Cold War needed to be forced to turn to America for support and not be permitted to make foreign policy decisions on their own. So we were making them dependent on us. Then John Carpenter comes back and says, they wanted a peace treaty, but we won't give it to them. If MacArthur had stopped at the original ceasefire line, China would not have come in, but he was determined to take the whole shebang. Um. So they go on, you know, uh, uh, Gary Goodman and John Carpenter went on back and forth and back and forth. It was quite enlightening and entertaining, if you ask me. But all of these people, these are in response to me asking, why is Russia so bad? And these people didn't sound, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know everything about Russia, about America, about any of it. I don't know. But they were stating facts and dates and people and, 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 and that were all true. So the argument that Russia is so bad because Vladimir Putin's a bully, like that, that's a, not a fact, it's a, an opinion. I want facts. When it comes down to it, though, in closing, is Russia really that bad? Hell yeah, they are. They do all kinds of bad things. But the real question is, is America really that good? Have a nice life. Good night.